Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Fireside Politics. As always, I am your co-host, Steve, with my other co-host, Nick, <laughs> joining me on this delightful day of January the 15th. What's going on, Nick? Such a delightful day. The country uh, got pretty close to civil war, but dude, it's it's been a refreshing week. Uh, so, Steve, how have you been? What's been going on? Inauguration day is six days away. What are you looking out for? Well, all right. You know what? Let's cut the crap. You know, we, 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 you know, we, all right, little context. Nick and I had a conversation. You know, this isn't supposed to be some uh, commentary on, you know, the events. This is a heart to heart. This is a conversation between two friends. And you know what, Nick? What am I thinking? It, I mean, that was, it was fucking crazy. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to my original statement. I hope nothing happens. But I mean, this is, it, it's, I guess it's a fitting end to to the last four years. Like, in all honesty, it's crazy what's happening. But, I mean, we see that there's right-wing extremism popping up all over the world, um, particularly in Europe. And it's something, is it just a, a fact of where, the, where we're going, you know, in the age 2020? I mean, if you want a serious answer to that question, I think there's been a lot of rising right-wing nationalism in particularly Eastern Europe directly after the whole migrant refugee crisis um, out of Syria and the Middle East, and with Turkey sort of holding um, Europe hostage in a sense to say, we're, you know, lever leveraging that play. Germany accepted over a million refugees. Hats off to Angela Merkel for having some balls to do something. But I mean, look, this thing has been growing. It's independent of Trump. I mean, a lot of people have said that he's a symptom more than the cause. And I have to agree with that. I mean, this week, his what or last week, what his supporters did at the Capitol, I think it was just a natural conclusion and continuation of what the entire campaign has been, which is don't trust the mainstream media. Uh, facts are lies. And, you know, they're trying to take the country away right from under your noses. Don't let them do it. Stand strong, get tough. You know, when you were saying that, I, I had this realization that you know, there's a lot of talk about Trump's base, the MAGA base, as it's been referred to a lot recently. And what you're saying, obviously, right-wing extremism has been here um, brewing, but it's almost like it was, it's, it's the perfect storm of events. And, and Trump is almost, because I, I really don't think he's willingly going into this and he's like, you know, I'm going to agitate the right-wing extremists. I'm going to bring them in. I'm going to, you know, I, I really don't think that's his intentions. I don't, frankly think he's smart enough to have gone in with that. I don't see the benefit to him of doing that, but I, I'm seeing it now as the group that, you you know, it's been brewing, it's always been here, but they see Trump and they are able to, they almost made him their scapegoat. Like he, he they they made him their, the voice he's not of, a scapegoat. of their movement. Dude, he's well, a he's symbol. A he's a rallying symbol. Yeah, all right. That's a better He's term. the leader, he's a, yeah. They made, they made him that though. I don't think he, you know, I, I, I guess you'd have to go back and relook at how the campaign went four years ago, but it almost seems like he became their voice and they used him to kind of, you know, create this over the past couple of years. And he played, you know, appealed to them, obviously being very dominant voices in the room, I guess, similar to him in character. I mean, there's certainly a lot that I think Steve Bannon has to play in this. I mean, his whole, oh, certainly. I mean, his role that he played in the first, what, like two years of the Trump presidency. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just crazy. And I guess, hey. the, I, I, yeah. Well, I was going to say, going back to the campaign four years ago, five years ago at this point, he did openly admit the fact that when he initially started doing these big rallies, and he's an entertainer, entertainer, 
Of course. There's a lot of energy in the room. People are hyped to go there. It's a fun time. Uh, but He's been on he WWE. Admi- he has been. So what he admitted was when he first started saying the build the wall movement that, you know, sort of looked for support for anti-immigration uh, policies, he didn't strongly believe in that. He said it once. People went crazy. They loved it. So he kept saying it. And he loved the fact that they kept saying it, even though he didn't really think it was a big deal. So, again, it's appealing to the base. Um, For Trump, it's all about self-image. And honestly, I think he's done a pretty good job the past four years of cultivating this positive image of him, you know, the lone champion uh, of his supporters' values versus this, you know, big machine, drain the swamp, all the rest of it. So, again, natural conclusion, it's just sort of a death cry, a sad one at that. Um, but I think it's just the last gasp of the presidency, which, I mean, he's still got some steam behind him, but unfortunately ran out, he lost the election, and uh, things are going to be changing in six days. Yeah, and I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you you live in the D.C. area. You're familiar with it. I'm sure you, you're aware. Dude, don't dox of- me, dude. Don't dox me. <laughs> I've been a good citizen. I praise Trump every single day. And he does his morning. The glorious uh, leader. Oh I wake God. up and say a prayer. <laughs> but you've seen what's been going on in D.C., I'm sure, with the, of course, the deployment of the National Guard, 20-something thousand soldiers, armed forces. Dude, The walls it's that have been going up all around Capitol Hill and the White House and all over, um, I guess, central D.C. It's, it's, there's fences all over the place. Everything's built up. Um, I had to go into the office the other week, and there's just a perimeter around everything. Um, and that was even before uh, the riot is when I went in. So, oh, wow. I mean, afterwards, they really started ramping up and said, hey, uh, stay home. Don't come in. Just skip town for a few days. Come back after the inauguration's over. I mean, I, to, to go back a lot, of, a, a little bit in the timeline, and I just have to talk about it. I mean, I, it's just so mind boggling to me, the lack of security. You know, the fact that they were able even to get in. I mean, what does that say? I mean, God forbid there was, I don't know, you know, some other event, not domestic. You, you, you know, what would the response be? I mean, it's crazy that it was so little force they were able, I mean, I guess maybe little force isn't the right word, but seemingly easily breach the Capitol, get in. Uh, you know, it, it, it's mind boggling, Nick. Well, I mean, look, our defense budget is too big for this to have happened. <laughs> well, realistically, what are you going to do? If a bunch of citizens, and a lot of them, while you know some of them were armed uh, with weapons, zip ties, uh, pipe bombs, most people didn't have any weapons on them, as far as you could see. Yeah, but they just still. used their hands. I mean, granted, you know, sure, a violent mob, but um, it's like, what are you going to do? You got a bunch of angry, unarmed people trying to force their way into the Capitol building. What are you going to shoot all of them? Well, no, you don't have to shoot them. But I mean, come on, like you see an angry mob. Granted, you don't know if they're armed or not. That's something you don't know. And they're coming towards the Capitol, obviously with intent of breaching it or at least causing some form of havoc. You know, where's the fucking Praetorian Guard? You know, Rome had the right idea. You know, I'm serious. You know, you've got the secret button. You press it. You deploy the troops. You know, you got them on standby. I mean, I'm not advocating for any type of military state or anything like that. But I mean, it's just very surprising. You know, we had the best and brightest minds in the military in this country. Um, and this happens. Well, it's not a military issue. It's not like the military was managing it. It was the Capitol Police. Well, they got to do a better job. (laughs) I mean, why do we neglect them? I mean, that seems like it would be a very important precedent, you know? You go to fucking London, they got the guys with the the Q-tip hats, 
They've got armed rifles. I mean, I wouldn't go fuck with them. They've got like bayonets on them. I mean, it's World War One. <laughs> no, I mean, look, you bring up a pretty good point. Uh, if I was going to go riot somewhere, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick the King's Guard or the Queen's Guard over in London. Yeah, but. I think I think obviously it all could have been handled much better. And what was surprising is some of the clips that you end up seeing where people are chanting things like hang Mike Pence. They took down the American flag, put up the Trump flag. Um, granted, those are smaller cl- clips of the broader group, but um, that's that's what ends up, you know, catching your attention. And there have been some crazy stories to come out of that. Um, oh, definitely. A lot of high. I think it was a gold medalist, you know, turned himself in recently. He was a swimmer. Uh, who attended there were a couple streamers that were live streaming themselves in the capital not surprising i don't know if they've been apprehended yet um but also one thing that um was reported but no one really touched on because it's kind of disgusting is that people went into these senate offices like nancy pelosi's office and just smeared a bunch of human feces all over the place oh my Uh, god so yeah they put it on their boots they walked all over they yeah hey that's one way to bring lip Lady Liberty down. Our politics are stinky. They wanted us to know. Oh my god! Yeah, very, very blunt message. But so as as we get to the aftermath of this, I mean, what do you think this is going to mean for the Republicans going forward, or the country for that matter? Screw the Republicans. Screw the Democrats. What do you What do you think is going to happen moving forward? I mean, does this really shift how people end up feeling about the state of the country overall? I don't think it can. I mean, I think. The way that this whole, I mean, even the inauguration, I, again, it's a perfect storm. I think with COVID, with what's just happened in the Capitol, the aftermath, direct aftermath in D.C. being a lot of scrutiny around the security, around the the, the Biden inauguration, um, even Trump's departure. I mean, it's suddenly this whole issue of, I mean, it, it is the topic here. It, you know, right wing extremism. It has become. It is. It's been set, thrust into the into the limelight. You know, it wasn't something that most people considered something that was a, a you you know a threat to the United States. You well, know, you there were Charlottesville. There were Charlottesville. That was pretty high profile. Yeah, but I don't think it wasn't big enough then. I mean, there was certainly a cry then, but it wasn't anything crazy. I mean, this was so. This was such a big deal because given where the location and the whole script of what happened that it just was it was like a, a huge just blow to the face to everyone saying hey you know this is a really real threat look what just fucking happened and on top of that we have this already tenuous um you know transition contentious contentious transition i knew that wasn't the right word hey Thank you're you. good dude i'm here to support you <laughs> but i mean we have that i mean we have the the huge you know all the shift from you know the Republicans holding the Senate to now Democrats having control of both the House, Senate, and White House, um, you know, and people are divided on you know whether the the Biden's approach is is the right thing. And, and granted, I think you and I can both say you know it's probably going to be to some degree moderate um, in terms of how much you know he can do. Um, mm-hmm. I think even with the House and Senate, I mean, you know, you can tell me if that's not how you feel, but in, in terms of him politically, I mean, you know, there was a lot of talk about things more in the radical. Not radical. I'll just say more on the on the left side, but um, you know, Biden he's he's kind of closer to the center. I think. I think so too. I think he's a very practical, pragmatic guy, and he was actually forced left on a lot of issues by his own party on things like climate change. But um, one thing that I think Biden actually does have a strong stance on that people don't give him any credit for or really look at is on labor. He is a huge supporter of the labor union movement. 
He had that very early on as one of his campaign promises, as we covered in some of our earlier episodes, um, <laughs> about he, how he wants to, I forget if it was double or triple the amount of labor union participation, uh, particularly in the private sector, I think, because um, in the United States, labor unions, they're still pretty strong in the public sector, but private sector membership has just been torpedoed over the last 40 years. So I think yeah. on labor unions, maybe he's a little bit more left progressive, but uh, across the board on most other things, he's pretty much straight down the middle. Uh, people on the left are going to call him too conservative. People on the right, I don't see how crazy liberal or left-leaning you know, really sticks. I mean, they try to make it stick, and part of it they use Kamala Harris as saying, oh my God, she's basically Karl Marx walking around. She's you know, the next Lenin, yeah, uh, pretty, the next pretty Castro, unfounded. which pretty unfounded, completely though. unfounded. Um, especially given her prosecutorial record in the state of California. So in any case, uh, I w I'm very tempted to disagree with you, but here I have to agree. He's straight down the middle, not much variation. And I guess that brings us to Trump's departure. Really. Well, hold on, hold on. Let's, you know, I, we didn't, I, you, I, I want to come back, you know, where do we see America going? So I think to just close this, you know, I think with Biden coming in and granted his, you know, I think he's consolidated the Democratic Party to a bit. We've got our guy in the White House, you know, we don't need to fight as hard to get our message across to to win. You know, I, I think what that means is that the Democratic Party, we're going to see a more united front while the Republicans, I think, you know, two months ago, even, you know, going into this, the election in Georgia, the Republican Party was very, you, you, I felt at least a very unified and strong front. You know, it was, you know, I mean, sure, it was fragmenting because of the whole, you know, fake news around the election results, but I, it, it was still kind of a cohesive unit. And since since what happened on Capitol Hill, you've actually heard uh, a lot of people come out who, you know, really condemn, you know, like uh, Ted Cruz for being, you know, this so far right. And anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say is I really can see in the next couple of years, I think a divide within the Republican Party where you do have this group that maybe plays to the more extreme, you know, portion of the Republican Party in America. And who knows, you know, maybe, I don't know, you know, does that mean they get snuffed out? I mean, it's a voice. I mean, I'm not condoning violence, but I mean, it's a voice. I mean, that's part of our constitution. Um, but at the same point, you know, I think we're going to see this divide within the Republican Party where those who are even maybe more right-leaning physically, socially, are going to kind of go off. And then those who are more moderate may, you know, I don't know. You know, that's – I think that this is really – kind of screw the Republican Party with everything that's happened with Trump. Uh, then like really bring down the Democrats, which they've been trying to do for four years. Well – I may agree with you that it splinters some of the more traditional conservative base and some of the moderates, but as far as people who like Trump, most opinion polls that come out these days show an overwhelming support of the president, current President Trump, from the Republican Party, from people registered, mostly, actually, more Republican women than men, um, if anything, but he still has a strong following, he's got a lot of support, and a lot of people in Congress... Um, sort of resonated with this message. Now, I one thing I want to point out is that uh, we can't confuse Trump the person with his policy platforms of right-wing populism because Fair. a lot of the people running under right-wing populism don't have the personal baggage and the bravado that he brings to the table. And one of the things that happened in the presidential election is that 
Republicans performed very well in those down ballot races where you have people without the personal baggage of Trump, but still running on those core uh, policy issues of right wing populism. So I think it's here to stay. Uh, whether you call it Trump, Trumpism, right-wing populism, Steve Bannonism, which Steve <laughs> Bannon actually supported Sarah Palin um, a number of years ago for the same reasons right. why he supported Trump. He has actually said that on record. He saw a lot in Trump that he saw similar things in Sarah Palin, just how she can appeal to a, a wide variety of people, uh, her way of speaking, the rest of it. And I think the ideology is here to stay, but as far as the leader of the party, um, Trump is so self-absorbed and selfish and how people view him, that he's going to go kicking and screaming. He's going to want to try to keep inserting himself. Um, but unfortunately for him, I think his brand is a little poisoned after this week. And over the next couple of years, you're going to see his legacy start to fade away. And maybe someone, you know, 30 years from now, thinks back on the good old days of the Trump tax cuts at the very beginning, um, much the same way that people think of Reagan. Um, but unfortunately, Reagan... <laughs> had a lot of charm, had some capabilities, had a lot of grit, grace. He served the office well, was a very genuine person, whereas Trump, I'm not sure the same could be said for him. So moving forward, I think his legacy, you know, in the immediate term, I think it's going to be somewhat okay. But moving forward, I just don't think he has the staying power and the star power to really be a maker uh, in the Republican Party moving forward. Well, well you know, you, you talk about star power this guy is rolling out the red carpet. 21-gun salute for his departure on the day of Biden's inauguration. Jets overhead. I mean, I agree with you. He's obviously trying to now paint some sort of glorious... I mean, it's, it's almost a comical way to leave. Um, I would be surprised if that even ends up happening. I guess I, I think the headline was he's considering doing that. So I'm Waste sure of taxpayer ex- money, my friend. Oh, my God. To the, to the bitter end. Big government now? To the bitter end. But... yeah. You know, looking ahead, we got, you know, the inauguration coming up in six days. You know, let's say we get past this, Dick. What do you think? I mean, the first thing that Biden's come out is with the big stimulus bill. $1.9 trillion, I think it was. I think there's some talk back to around $1 trillion. Oh, Steve, Steve, Steve. Uh, let, me, let me stop you right there. Let's, Not truly. Let's leave, let's leave some <laughs> topics to the imagination. We can't give away all the goods all at once. <laughs> I got a lot of goodies, Nick. I got a lot of goodies in my bag, and I just want to give them, you know, I just want to pass them around. Eh, you can share them the next episode. Let everyone sample them. Get a you taste. You can share them the next episode. Get a tease. <laughs> Get a tease. You're such a All tease. Right. Well, you know, you, you tease, you know, hey, wrap today, us up. Wrap us up. Look, I just talked about how Trump's legacy in the long term, it's going to be nothing. It's going to be garbage. Zilch. Let's at least do him a solid. Focus only on him. And uh, Biden, we'll give him his day uh, another time. Fair enough. On that, fireside out. I can't believe I really just said that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, you just said that. (laughs) 